Hey, everybody, how's it going? Uh, it's good to see you this morning. Uh, if you are visiting this morning, or if you're on the newer side, um, I want you to know that my name is Tony, and I serve as one of the leaders within this church. And on behalf of this church, uh, we want to say welcome this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming uh, to worship our God together with us, or to learn more about this guy named Jesus, or whatever, for whatever reason you came. We're just glad we're really glad that you're here this morning. And today's actually a little bit different um, uh, because it's uh, Family Sunday. There's a bunch of kids in the room. We're going to do this about once a month. And so kids, hey there. Uh, it's so good. We're so thankful that you're in here. Uh, we want you to participate this morning. And so when we sing another song later on, just sing it as loud as you can. And uh, we also have something uh, that we used to do last year when we were outside. We have Amen Bingo going on this morning. Sash, can you hold that up for them to see? A- Amen Bingo. If you don't have one of these and you're a kid and you want one, the way this works is there's a bunch of words that are going to be in this sermon, this message today. And adults, you can do this too if you want. If you get uh, diagonal across the words or down, apparently, no, not diagonal. It says no diagonal. So straight across or down but you can actually do diagonal. If you get one of those, you don't yell bingo, kids, you yell amen, okay? So can you do that this morning? It might be at a little bit of a weird time uh, in the sermon, but that's okay, yell it out. And what we wanna do, kids, is we wanna teach the adults in here how to say amen during the sermon, all right? So that's part of what we're doing here. So our main text from the scriptures today uh, is just this incredible verse Uh, found in Paul's letter to the church in the city of Ephesus. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And um, we are going to get to hear it over these moments in in nine different times, uh, in different translations and different languages. And so just sit back, and I just want to say, as we hear this, may, may the Spirit of the living God fall fresh upon us. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Jsme přece jeho dílo. Bůh nás v Kristu Ježíši stvořil k dobrým skutkům, které předem připravil, abychom se jen For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God provided before him that we should walk in them. En réalité, c'est lui qui nous a fait. Nous avons été créés en Jésus-Christ pour des œuvres bonnes que Dieu a préparées d'avance afin que nous les pratiquions. Porque somos hechura de Dios, creados en Cristo Jesús para buenas obras, las cuales Dios dispuso de antemano a fin de que las pongamos en práctica. 
autu gar esmen poema tis fentes en Cristo Iesu, epi ergois agathois ois pra etoimasen ha feas hina en autois peripatesomen. For we are for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Well done, everybody. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can praise God for that. Amen. Amen. Am I on? All right. So uh, thank you to all of you who read. Uh, when I reached out th- this week, there were uh, a couple people who responded. They said yes. I won't tell you which ones they were, but they said that they, as soon as I, they read my text, they got really sweaty. Um, to get, and so it takes a lot of courage to do that. And my response to them was, well, I'm sweaty every time I get up here. And so we're, it's just all good. Um, this morning, the structure or flow of this message is going to go like this. Um, I'm going to just come out of the gates here trying to preach a little bit, like sweaty and hopefully fiery preaching. So for some minutes here, I'm going to just, I'm going to preach and then I'm going to dial it back. The plan is to dial it back a little bit and to share the purpose and point of the message today. And then after that, we're going to walk through, we're going to teach through that verse, Ephesians 2 verse 10, all of it with the audacious hope that somehow God changes every single one of us today. God, God, God does everything that he wants to do here in this room and in our hearts. And as a result, the city of Fort Wayne and the nations of the earth are changed as well. Can I get, a, can I get an amen from a kid or an adult today? So that's, that's all we're doing. Nothing, nothing too big here. Just we're asking for the city and the nations to be changed. And so every single week at the end of our gatherings, the same blessing is spoken over us. And you know, if you've been around here, you know what it is. It goes like this. May God bless us and keep us and make his face shine upon us. May he be gracious to us and grant us wisdom and shalom. And may the result of it be that the city of Fort Wayne and the nations of the earth sing for joy. And may the result of all of it be God's glory and honor and praise forever and ever in the name of King Jesus. And everyone agreed and said, Amen. and my brothers and sisters, that right there captures so much of our heart as a church. And I just absolutely love that for the past 12 years now, every single time we have gathered together as a church, that blessing has been spoken over us. And this morning, I want to remind us that there is a pattern. There, there is a kingdom pattern to that blessing. Notice that it starts with God. It starts by pointing to God. It says, may God. Those are the first words, may God. And for us, Northeast, it always, hear this, it always starts with him. As Paul wrote in Romans chapter 11, for from him and through him and to him are all things. John wrote that we love God because he first loved us. And so that is the kingdom pattern. It starts with God and then it comes to us. And we say, may God bless us. And that means May he pour out his life, his like true capital, this is what blessed means, pouring out true capital L life upon us and keep us. That means to protect us and make his face 
shine upon us. That has to do with his favorable presence, his favorable presence among us. And on top of that, we pray the blessing as the blessing goes. May he give us grace and wisdom and shalom as well. And so it starts with God. And then because of his love, it comes to us. And when the church receives and walks in God's blessing and presence, hear this now, I'm trying to preach. It then goes outward. Church, it always, this is the kingdom patterns found throughout all of scripture. It always goes outward. In the very beginning, God created humans in his image, which is about reflecting his reign and rule outward. When God made the covenant with Abraham, he said, I'm Abraham, I'm going to bless you and your offspring. The, the generations coming from you, I'm going to bless, same where I'm going to bless you and through you, I'm going to bless all outward, all the nations of the earth. It always goes outward. And the result is that the city around us and the nations of the earth sing for joy. And sing for joy is something that we have said again, every time we've been together for 12 years. And I just want to make clear today that sing for joy is a simply a creative and biblical way. And I say that because it's actually right there from the text. Psalm 67 says, may the nations be glad and sing for joy. It's a creative and biblical way to speak of God's kingdom coming. And so let's just pause right there. And I want to ask a question and give you just an opportunity with the people right around you, adults and kids, you can, you can uh, interact on this just for about a minute here. And let me, when, here's the question, when do people do that? When do people sing for joy? And I mean that both literally, sometimes like actually singing, like actually singing out loud for joy, but I also mean like figuratively, like in our hearts, What makes people sing for joy? So take a moment here with the person or two sitting next to you. If you don't know each other, introduce yourselves really quick and just come up with some answers. When do people sing for joy? Go. All right. All right, let's bring it back together. What what did you say or or, or what did you hear right there? When do human beings sing for joy? What are some of the things you heard? Yeah, Jalen. When you're happy, when something makes you feel happy, you sing for joy. Great, great job, buddy. What else? What's that? Christmas caroling. Yeah, that's it. That's true. When a healing happens. Whoo, man. I couldn't, I couldn't hear that one, so... Yeah, so something like football. Actually, probably in our culture, that is probably the most common time. And this, I mean, this says something about our culture, right? When we sing for joy. Actually, European soccer fans are way better at it than us. May I just say that? What else? What else did you say or hear? Weddings. Weddings. Yes. And actually, other cultures seem to be better at doing that too. Uh, anyways, yeah, Barb. Mm. Yes. When we are moved by something beautiful like music or a sunrise or something like that. Woo, come on. When a baby is born, sing for joy. When someone is set free. Amen. Oh, amen, amen, bingo, and amen. (laughs) I like this. 
when you see an old friend. Good. I mean, we could keep going, right? There's actually, I didn't know how this would go, but there's a lot, there's a lot of reasons that we sing for joy. I think here's the idea. When something good and transformative happens in life, humans respond in part by singing for joy. Something so good and so transformed, like so life-changing happens, and it's like we just naturally or perhaps supernaturally sing for joy, either literally, right, or figuratively. And church, that is what we have prayed for every single week at the end of our gatherings for 12 years now that something so good and transformative would happen in the name of Jesus, that the city of Fort Wayne and the nations of the earth would sing for joy. I mean, hallelujah, amen, and may it be so. But church, notice that the kingdom pattern does not end there. It does not end with us or even with other people. No, it ultimately does what? It ultimately goes back to God. How do we end that blessing? And may it, the result of all of it, and may the result of all of it be God's glory and honor and praise, that God is worshiped forever and ever, like throughout all generations, all in the name of King Jesus, and everybody agreed and said. And that kingdom pattern that's found in that blessing shapes us as a church, and it shapes how we engage engage in God's mission. This morning is actually part three of a three-part message in which we are trying to articulate the heart of who we are as a church and what we sense God is calling us to as a church in the days to come. And what we have shared thus far is that the very most important thing that we can say about that is that we as a church are just all about Jesus. I mean, we are enamored with King Jesus and we believe that who he is and what he has done for us and for the world and what he is powerfully doing today are all so great, are also like beyond description great that we want to give everything we can and more to follow him and to live in this new, crazy, countercultural way by the power of his spirit. And we believe that this new, crazy, countercultural way can be described like this. It's going to come up here on the screen. Everyone living the beautiful and radical way of Jesus. That, that is our heart as a church. Everyone, adults, that's you. Everyone, kids, that's you. And kids, I want to say that's not just you, but someday that's your children and your grandchildren, and even your great-grandchildren and beyond. That includes the person sitting next to you right now, and the person sitting next to them, you, you can look at them, the person sitting next to them, and the person sitting next to them, and the person across the room, and that includes the people who are not yet here. Everyone, everyone being transformed from the inside out to increasingly more and more live the way of Jesus. As Paul wrote there in Ephesians 4, it's all, this is all of us together living lives worthy of the calling we have received. And in this season especially, we as a church just so strongly sense that God is calling us together to action. That's a word that we keep saying and hearing. 
action, to kingdom action, to be a people who listen to the scriptures, yes. A people who listen, who, who meditate upon, who, who feast upon, who soak in the scriptures, and as James says, who do what it says. To be a people who together hear the words of Jesus and, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, who put them into practice. And all of that that I just said over the last couple minutes with the notch, with it dialed down a couple notches, perhaps, all of that was a summary of parts one and two of this message. And this morning then, part three, is all about God's mission. You see, we believe that a central part of being the church and our calling as the church is to participate in God's mission of redemption and restoration here in this city and to the nations of the earth. And so based upon our blessing, we can say it like this. Yes, it is, it is everyone living the beautiful and radical way of Jesus so that, there it is, so that Fort Wayne and the nations sing for joy. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says this. For we are God's handiwork, created in King Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. Amen. Yes, yes, I love it. Okay, this coming up here on the screen now is a picture of a building in Barcelona, Spain, Barcelona, and it's called La Sagrada Familia. Have you heard about this before? Uh, La Sagrada Familia. This building was designed by an architect named Anthony, <laughs> Anthony Gaudi, uh, who was born in 1852 and died in 1926. And this man, Gaudi, devoted the last years of his life to this project that you see up there on the screen. And at the time of his death in 1926, the building was not even close to being finished. In fact, construction did not pass the midway point of completion until 84 years later in the year 2010. Gaudi laid out the intricate plans that were so grand that he knew that it would take generations to finish it. You see, as an act of worship, Gaudi wanted to create a masterpiece. And to this day, there is nothing like it in the whole world. He combined the ideas of architecture and nature, and in true genius, he laid out the plans for this incredible one-of-a-kind building. He didn't care about the money it would take, or the sacrifice it would take, or the time it would take, and he didn't even care if he would be around to see it happen. It's 60 stories high. There's 18, if you go to the next slide, Mallory, there's 18 tower things, the tallest of which will be dedicated to King Jesus himself. The ceilings, if you go to the next one, the ceilings are just like breathtaking. And then the, the next slide too. And then the facade is small up there on the screen, but the facade is so intricate. Just the nativity facade, so the, the depiction of the scene of Jesus' birth, the nativity facade took 36 years to finish it. Every single square inch of La Sagrada Familia is filled with meaning, beauty, order, creativity, and symbolism. Yes, yes, and amen. Yes, it is a building, but way more than that, it is a masterpiece. And my brothers and sisters, that is the word the Apostle Paul uses here in Ephesians 2, verse 10. He says, for we are are God's handiwork 
His, his, if you can actually, Mallory, go back and put that La Sagrada Familia up there just so you guys can look at this while I'm talking about this. Because the word here, handiwork, is poema, poema. And you can hear that that's where we get the word poem. This word connotes the kind of rhythm, order, and beauty that goes into a brilliant poem or an incredible piece of art or a masterpiece type building. This is what the artist Gaudi was aiming at creating in this building. And Paul wrote that in Jesus, here we go, in Jesus, this is who we are as the church. In fact, may I say that La Sagrada Familia in all of its splendor is nothing, is infinitely nothing compared to the church of King Jesus. There is nothing, there is, I'm telling you, there's nothing like it in the whole world. We, it says, are a new creation. Think about that. We are a new creation in Jesus. We are, Paul wrote, a new humanity in Jesus, and we have been made alive. He said that we were dead in our transgressions and sins, Ephesians 2, but now we in Jesus have been made alive. We are a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. No longer divided and living in racism and prejudice and division and violence and more, but rather living in unity and loving one another across borders. Church, this is who we are. And this is what it looks like, to go back to our blessing, this is what it looks like when God blesses us and keeps us and makes his face shine upon us. Here it is. We increasingly live the way God designed us to live. We increasingly live the beautiful and radical way of Jesus. And again, I say there is nothing else like it in the whole world. And again, it all starts with God. God is the artist and the architect of all that. God is the one who designs and plans and, and moves and blesses and redeems and restores and more. It starts with him and then he blesses us. And as a result, we are transformed to live in this new, crazy, countercultural way. And my brothers and sisters, be reminded this morning that it does not end there. Remember the pattern? What happens next? It goes outward. That's right. It always, hear this, it always goes outward. It always goes outward so that the city around us and the nations of the earth sing for joy. For we, it says, are God's handiwork, created in King Jesus, designed by King Jesus, architected by King Jesus himself. Why? To do good works, which God prepared in advance. Some translations you heard up here say, so that we would walk in them. And that word is actually the word there at the end in the Greek. It's the word for walk. And it's peripateo. And peripateo is, is an onomatopoeia. In other words, it's a word that sounds like it's meaning. So peripateo. Hear it? Peripateo. It's like, it's like our pitter-patter. It's the sound of walking. And in ancient times, this was an often used idiom for an ongoing way 
of life. It's ongoing, everyday way of life. It says, we together as the church are God's handiwork created in King Jesus to do outward good works as we walk through our everyday lives. Let me say that again. We together as the church are God's handiwork created in King Jesus to do good works as we walk through our everyday lives. To the Corinthian church, Paul wrote, God is able, here's the pattern again, God starts with him, God is able to bless you church abundantly so that in all things at all times, everyday life, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound church in every good work. And by the way, I could get so used to this, you guys. We're doing amen bingo, even if it's just adults in here. All right, from now on. What Paul talks about there in in the context in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is the very next thing he talks about is the church meeting the needs of those who are poor. Good works. To the Thessalonian church, Paul wrote his prayer that God would encourage their hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. To Timothy, he wrote that engaging the scriptures, like feasting upon the scriptures is so important because that in part is how servants of God may be thoroughly equipped, thoroughly prepared for every good work. The author of Hebrews admonishes the church to consider how we may spur one another on. To consider, to to stop and think about the person next to you and the person next to them and the person across the room, how we may spur one another on to what? To love and good works. And in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, Jesus said, let your church, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify, there's the pattern again, glorify your Father in heaven. For we are God's handiwork created in King Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance. What does that mean? Part of what it means, I believe, is that God is already on this mission. It's not that God theoretically prepares a bunch of opportunities for us to do good works and then like sits back from a distance and watches to see if we actually walk in them or not. No, the idea here is that God is at work. God has been at work. God is at work today, right here in this room. God is at work today and he will be at work. Today and every day, God is on a mission to this city, right here, to this city and to the nations of the earth. Proclaiming the good news of his kingdom, meeting needs, meeting real tangible needs by the power of his spirit and fixing that which is broken in the world around us in the name of Jesus. He's doing, he is doing those things. And in real time, he's inviting us as his people, as we, to walk, as we walk through our lives, to walk in the good works that he is already doing. And part of what that means, brothers and sisters, I want to point out this morning, is that I think we can take a deep breath. You know what I mean by that? I think with mission, you talk about mission, there, there's like a, there can be an edge to that. There can be an anxiety that comes along with that. And I think that we can take a deep breath because the pressure 
is off. We do not have to make this up. God is on this mission. He is already doing it. Yes, it's costly. Yes, it's, it involves sacrifice. Yes, it is hard work, sometimes even super hard work, but God is preparing the way. Because of his great love for us, God, here's again, the pattern. God, who is rich in mercy, blesses us in ways beyond we can, all we can ask or imagine. And in response then, we as the church do good works as we walk around in everyday life. In our neighborhoods, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, on our campuses, in our city and beyond. With our eyes up, here's our part. With our eyes up, radars tuned in, and our hearts open, we walk through everyday life with an orientation to do good works that make other people sing for joy. Supporting the 410 ministries that Hannah talked about a bit ago at the beginning of our gathering by going to that event today, or if you're not able to go by just giving toward it, that, that is, that's right here in the verse. That is a good work. And the result of it is our city sings for joy in some of the darkest places that are here. Deciding to take action to help these families coming from Afghanistan. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being in their shoes being uprooted, being displaced, having to to be transported to the other side of planet earth with nothing but the clothes on your back and not even knowing the language, they're going to be here in the next couple months. Deciding to take action to help them, those is a whole, there's a whole long list there of Ephesians 2.10, good works. And the result of it is the city of Fort Wayne and the nations of the earth sing for joy. As God's handiwork, we walk through everyday life with our eyes and our hearts open. And when we see a need, we just simply step into it. We take action. We do works that are so good and transformative, big or small, that people see Jesus. And as a result, figuratively or sometimes even literally, they sing for joy. One of the early church fathers, a a gentleman named Cyprian, who lived in the early 200s, who became the Bishop of Carthage, who in the Anglican tradition today is his feast day. He said this quote about the church. We are philosophers, not in words, but in deeds. We exhibit our wisdom, not by our dress, but by truth. We know virtues by their practice rather than through boasting of them, or the 21st century translation of that is not through posting about them. And then he said this, we do not speak great things, but we live them. We do not speak great things, but we live them for the good of all people and for the glory of God. My brothers and sisters, like the generations-long work of La Sagrada Familia, Jesus is doing a generations-long work to build his church and change his world. And Northeast, we want to step into the fullness. We want to walk in the fullness of our part of that. Not caring about the money it will take or the sacrifice or the time, even if we do not get to see it come to completion. And we say, May the result of all of it be God's glory and honor and praise forever and ever in the name of King Jesus. And everybody agreed and said, amen. Amen. And every week, 
at the pinnacle of our worship, we come together as followers of Jesus to the table of the Lord's Supper. And the table points us back again, no matter what we're talking about, no matter what the text is, no matter what the feel or vibe of the room is, the, te- it, the table brings us back to Jesus. And it proclaims to us that, that Jesus, the way he accomplished all of these things, these things are all true today because of what Jesus accomplished in his death on the cross and his resurrection back to life from the dead. The bread that we take and eat, his body given up for you and me and us. The cup, his blood shed on our behalf for the forgiveness of our sins and for this new life that he is inviting us into that includes inviting us into good works today. Even even here this morning, he's just inviting, 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 and that all happens because of what he accomplished right there on the cross. And so this morning, brothers and sisters, we get to come with joy and thanksgiving new creations, new humanity, once dead, but now made alive, once blind, but now we see. And so church, whenever you're ready to come, there'll be a line over here and a line over there and a line out the back. The gluten-free option, as always, is right back there if that's you. And so get the elements. You can can take them back to your seat and you can take those by yourself or with a child next to you or just someone uh, sitting next to you, however you feel led to do that. When you are ready this morning, you are free to come.